Well, the Christmas story. Sweet-faced girl, strong, supportive husband, adorable baby lying in the warm hay, angels singing, shepherds in long, flowing robes, and to complete the cosy picture book story, three mysterious, exotic kings from the East. Now, as a child, I never got on with the three kings, because in the church calendar, they didn't turn up until the Feast of the Epiphany, and that was January the 6th. Think about it, January the 6th, when school starts again, and it's cold and dark and wet, and Christmas is over. So for me, the appearance of those kings bearing gifts was the harbinger of gloom. But it is gloomy, isn't it? An innocent question that sets off an earthquake. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And before you know it, there's intrigue and plots and murder. But maybe I got it wrong about the three kings. So three simple things to say. And the first is this, three kings. Are they kings? No, they're wise men. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Are there three of them? Well, we don't know, but they did bring three gifts. Where are they from? Well, again, we don't know. It simply says, wise men from the east. And what do we know about the star? And why do they connect it with the royal birth? And how do they follow it? Well, again, we don't know. And did they arrive at the stable just after the shepherds? No, they came sometime later. If you notice, it, notice it's no longer a stable. We're told it's a house. And it's no longer a baby but it's a child. So maybe we need to rewrite that uh, picture book story. So why does Matthew tell us so little about these men? And the answer is that he is a jeweler. How do you show off the best diamond? By placing it against a dark background. And so Matthew doesn't answer those distracting questions. He keeps them in the dark, the dark background, so that we see the beauty of the diamond, which is the wise men came to worship Jesus. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, Christmas is to be enjoyed. Trees, lights, get-togethers, giving and receiving, uh, turkey dinners, Christmas pudding. But says Matthew, there's something bigger. Something we're in danger of missing. Something which might be hidden in plain sight because there's so much else going on. And that is, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Are you looking for Jesus? Three kings, two kings, 
Now, when Herod gets to hear of it, we read verse 3 that he's troubled. And before long, thoughts turn to murder. So we read verse 7, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring word to me, that I too may come and worship him. But of course, it's a lie. He wants the child dead. Why? He's just a child. What's the panic? All they said was, whereas he was being born king of the Jews. And verse 3, we read, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Why the panic? Why is Herod troubled? Well, he's troubled because he styles himself the king of the Jews. And if this child really is the king of the Jews, then Herod is nothing more than a fake, a usurper, an imposter. But there's more going on. We're told that Jesus is the Christ. So from verse 3, when Herod heard, the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. The Christ. It's a title. He's the expected one, the promised one, the one who God said would be the king to end all kings, the one who God has appointed to rule over the creation, the Son of God clothed with majesty, glory, and power, the Son of Man to whom the kingdoms of the world belong. He's the Christ, fully God fully man, who will turn the, the winter of the curse into the springtime of God's blessing, who, those Old Testament prophecies said, is the very breath of our nostrils, the one who gives life and gives new life, the one who will bring us back to God, who will stand the world the right way up who will do his best for the worst because he's the king of love and his rule is a rule of love and life and light. That's why it's a star that guides them. But we're not to disney the Christ. He will destroy the dark forces that are at work in this world. He will overthrow all wickedness. He will judge the human race. We must all before, appear before this king and give an account to him. And at last he will banish death itself and make all things new. He's the Christ. He's this world's true ruler whose kingdom will conquer all, who carries the fate of the world on his shoulders the one who really has authority. And he will put everything right. The Christ, the future is Christ-shaped. And of course, that's Herod's problem. He doesn't want a Christ-shaped future. He wants a Herod-shaped future. And there's no room for them both. 
So he wants the child dead. What of us? Do I want a a Christ-shaped future? Maybe yes, maybe no. I was posting church church leaflets through doors, and uh, I came to one letterbox, one door, and it said this over the letterbox, no advertising, no politics, no religion. No religion. Should I post the leaflet? Should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? And I hovered. I hovered, kept reading it, no religion. I hovered. What should I do? Because if I post this leaflet through their door from Amy and Park Chapel, they might think this is about religion. But Jesus the King is bigger than religion. So I I did post it. He's bigger than religion, which is why when he grew up, what did they do? They sent the religious police to arrest him. The religion couldn't cope with him. He burst the banks. He burst the boundaries. This is so much bigger than religion. What if he is the king to end all kings? What if he turns on his head everything you've ever believed about God? What if he's come to address the real, deep-down problem of our messed-up human race? That we've frozen God out. That we've chosen a future without him. What if he's come to bring real change, deep-down, lasting change? New hearts, new lives, new beginnings. What if he is the answer to all our questions, the end of all our searchings? What if he really is Emmanuel, God with us, right here in the muck of this world? What if this is is the one to put us right with God, to forgive us our sins, to change our lives? The one who died on that cross and on the third day rose again and now sits upon the throne of the universe... The one who the Bible says is surpassingly wonderful. That's one of his names. His name is Wonderful. Whose first thought is not to condemn. Who loves as no one has ever loved. Who comes in friendship as no one has ever come in friendship. Who comes not to condemn but to save. The King of glory. The King of love. Wouldn't he be worth searching for? Maybe we've got a bit too old, we've got a bit too cynical, and we've lost our sense of wonder. The wonder of it all. Maybe you're just too busy. You know, we do it, don't we? I'll think about it later. But I never seem to find the time, and then in the end I run out of laters. Maybe it makes you feel awkward, uncomfortable. The preacher's going on a bit, isn't he? He keeps talking about Jesus. You don't do this sort of thing. And we can push Jesus away without really knowing who he is or what it's about. My grandfather didn't like garlic. And one Christmas, he stuffed his face with garlic bread. He said to my mother, this is lovely. What is it? She said, it's garlic bread. And he said, but I don't like garlic. 
and we can push the Christ away because we think we know when we don't know. And we can push him away before we know really anything about him. Just because it feels awkward and it's embarrassing. And that's why God says to us, taste and see. It's an invitation, isn't it? It's not forcing us to do something. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, three kings, two kings, and we close with this. King of kings. How shall we respond to Jesus? Well, it's a cliche, but it's true. Follow the wise men. Now, alas, it didn't snow this Christmas. But when it does snow, that first snowflake, and you watch it circle down, and you know that it won't be long before the air is is filled with, with millions of snowflakes pirouetting through the air. Because the first snowflake announces the coming of the many. That's what we have here, wise men from the east. They're the first snowflake. And soon people in their millions, not just from the east, but from north, south, west and east, will come to worship the Christ. Because this is the king for everyone, everywhere. So why not you? Why not follow the wise men? They came from afar. So why not just take, every journey begins with the first step, doesn't it? Why not take the first step today? For the first time, think, I'm I'm actually going to take Jesus seriously. They followed a star. It was a small light. And maybe your light is small. Maybe all you have is just a favorite carol that you like to sing. Or I go to church just on Christmas Day. Or I've got a Christian friend. Or I've got a Bible at home, but I don't open it and read it. But I've got some light. Well, follow that light. Might be a small light, but if you follow it, God will give you more light. And they weren't afraid to ask questions. I think that's a difficult one, isn't it? But they weren't afraid to ask questions because it was too important not to ask. So they asked the question, where is he who has been born King of the Jews? And when we ask questions, we can feel a bit silly, can't we? It's embarrassing, it's awkward, I ought to know, I feel, but I don't know. Well, never worry if your question sounds silly. Never worry about that. Because the person you ask will probably ask exactly the same question themselves at some point. Ask the question. And says Jesus, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. And what if you do know about Jesus? Been on your doorstep all your life. Well, do you remember the chief priests and the scribes? It's very interesting, isn't it, what, what happens? Herod gets them together, assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them, he asked of them where the Christ was to be born. And this is what they say. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So they knew their Bibles. They knew all about the Christ. But knowing what they knew, they did absolutely nothing about it. So don't follow them. 
And actually, they're in Jerusalem. Bethlehem was just round the corner. But they didn't bother to go seeking after the Christ. So don't follow them. Don't know and then do nothing. Don't know and then think it's not worth the effort. Maybe it's time you went to see for yourself. Follow the wise men. So this morning, whatever your starting point, follow the wise men. And don't stop until you've found the Lord Jesus. You've found the Christ. And don't look for alternatives. There are no alternatives that are, that are real. Seek him until you find him. Until at his feet you pour your treasure, your life, your soul, your all. Look at the joy that was theirs when they did that. And going into the house, and he saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Here is one who is worthy of my life, my soul, my all, worthy of my worship. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. As we close, the wise men were directed from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. And this morning, the Bible directs us from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. At the end of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus comes face to face with Pontius Pilate. He's the representative of this world's greatest king, Caesar. And it will be Caesar's soldiers who will be the first since the wise men to call Jesus the king of the Jews. But they will crown him with thorns. And they will enthrone him on a cross. And instead of a bright star, the sun will turn dark. And out of the darkness, we will hear a single Gentile voice. Truly, this was the Son of God. You see, the King has come, but has come to die. I must never forget that I've rebelled against the King of kings. And for every act of rebellion, there is a price to pay. We know that. We believe that. We believe in justice. And the wages of sin is death. But on that cross, Jesus pays the price that God's justice demands. He dies that punishing death for sin that we deserve to die. He gives his best for the worst, for us, for sinners. So that all who find him enjoy peace with God, a healing forgiveness, and life. Life that begins when we bow the knee to the King of Kings.